myself, my name is O, O, H to the O, V, I used to move snowflakes by the O, C, I guess even back then you can call me, CEO of the R, O, C, O, fresh out the frying pan into the fire, I be the music man's number one supplier, flying in the piece of paper bearing my name, got the hottest chick in the game, wearing my chain, that's right, O, O, not D, O, C, but similar to the letters, no one can do it better, you can blame Sean, Play it day one with Game Pass. So I started when I was nine years old racing go-karts and uh, it just got bigger and faster from there. Moved into single-seater racing cars when I was about 16 and uh, was able to win the McLaren Autosport BRDC Young Driver of the Year Award uh, in 2007 in my first year racing in cars. So that kind of springboarded my career, got to race in British Formula 3 and then moved to the States to follow in my brother's footsteps uh, of trying to race in the IndyCar series. So I raced in Indy Lights for a while and I've been really fortunate enough to be able to race in free Indianapolis 500s. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. and Welcome to the Drafting the Circus program produced by Sinister One Productions. I want to thank again uh, Forza Motorsport for sponsoring us and uh, Luis Torres Photography. Uh, you're familiar with Luis. He's on our panel every week, but uh, he's uh, he's an advertiser with us now, too. So uh, go ahead and uh, give him a shout. So joining me on the panel, Levi, Luis Torres, Richard Uden. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Good evening. Good. How's it going? Good, good. Well, we've got a couple of very special guests in tonight. Really excited. We've got uh, Don Cusick and Stefan Wilson of Cusick Motorsports. And these guys are getting ready to, uh, or they're preparing to run the Indianapolis 500 in May. Uh, they've they've done this a couple of times together. Uh, they're lined up with Dreyer and Reinbold um, this year. So uh, really excited to have you here. So, fellas, how you guys doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I know. Uh, thanks for having us, guys. You know, just... Uh, you know, we're 74 days uh, away from the Indy 500, but who's counting? Yeah. Um, yes, I'm uh, just pumped. I can't wait to get the month of May started. And, and uh, it's it's unusual how long we've had to prepare. You know, the last two years, it's always uh, been last minute uh, programs that have come together. So, uh, you know, it's, been, we're, it's a real luxury to have this amount of time to, to really prepare and, uh, you know, really uh, get stuck in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish you guys the best as uh, as you go through preparations. Uh, so, Don, let's start with you. Don, Don's the CEO of Cusick Motorsport. Now, you, Cusick Motorsport is, I, I mean, you're a race team, but not in the traditional sense that you have a, have a race shop and mechanics and stuff, but you're more of a, uh, what the, you work on business to business and bespoke programs and whatnot, and you, you go in with a, technical partner this year, Dry and Rimble, but you've worked with Andretti 
in the past you worked with, I think it was Dragon Speed last year. So just tell right. me a little bit about how, how the inner workings of uh, Cusick Motor Motorsports work and, um, you know, some of those programs that you do, because I know you do a lot of work to bring people actively into the racing business. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about for us is um, introducing people to the experience. Um, I know my first experience live at the Indy 500 was absolutely amazing. Uh, we loved it. More importantly, my wife loved it. So um, we got that green light to go back uh, last year. And um, gosh, you know what? I think I think the second year was even better because um, I kind of knew what to expect a little bit more. So got a little bit uh, deeper into it. And then um, this year it's almost boring because we did our deal so early. Um, but uh, but yeah, we've recruited some friends and business associates and you'll see, you'll see some new names on the card this year. And of course uh, some of the uh, guys have been with us for the last three years, Sierra Pacific uh, lumber and windows and uh, care keepers. They're coming back. Lola Sport, who was one of our original sponsors, is coming back. Um, but yeah, we we just we're really having fun. We're enjoying it. Uh, we're exposing new people to uh, IndyCar racing, and um, we're we're excited to be with DRR this year. Uh, we're really hoping that this is the start of of something much bigger, much greater, and many more races to come. Yeah, I do know that uh, Dry and Reinbold had to kind of give up their full-time program, I think back in, what, 14 or 15, um, largely due to funding. So now, but they still run a pretty good ship uh, on their Indy 500-only program. So, um, I mean, with you coming in there, I know like two years ago they did three or four races, but uh, are there are there any talks about, uh, you know, trying to go in and do, uh, do a bit of a longer season or maybe even – uh, grow, grow, you know, grow back to uh, a full season entry again. Well, I think, you know, that, that would be our target. Um, we've talked a little bit with Dennis uh, Reinbold and Brent DeBoard about that. They're actually coming out uh, tomorrow. We're going to show them around thermal, play some golf with them. And then they're off to the nitro series in uh, Glen Helen. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, that, that would definitely be our goal would to, uh, would to, partner with them for the longer term, run more races um, and ultimately run the 17 race series. That, that that's what we're hoping for. All right. Fantastic. And I hope you guys get there. Absolutely. Um, Appreciate it. So uh, Stefan, let, let's, let's uh, chat with you a little bit. Um, so you've been, you've been working with Don for a, a few years now. How did, uh, how did you guys first initially hook up? Uh, you know, where, where, where'd you run into this guy? Who's uh, such a savvy businessman. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, I'd, I'd run the Indy 500 a couple of times in 2016, around the hundredth, and then in 2018, uh, you know, it led some laps, you know, towards the end of the race. And then, you know, 2019, 2020, I missed and, you know, didn't get an entry and wasn't able to, to compete. Um, so I pretty much thought my Indy 500 career was, was over at that point. Um, and, you know, we, I headed out to, uh, to Fermil um you know it's you know a, a friend at that point i was looking to compete in some nascar races and on the road courses and um the the team i was talking to was just like hey just see if you can find someone that has an old nascar and and drive that and it's pretty much going to be you know very similar to what what uh you'd be racing so i asked around and someone did know don that i knew and you know essentially asked don if he if i could come out and and uh drive his his uh track attack car so that's where i really started and you know i i came out just just to drive the car and don was all about it and i was like wow this is kind of crazy like i don't know don and he's let me just drive his nascar track attack car without even knowing me um and you know af after that we got talking and and you know it turns out that don was just a, a huge indy 500 fan um and just asking me all kinds of questions about the Indy 500 and from there we you know I left left Fermil went home and about it was probably about a month later Don asked me about getting tickets to the Indy 500 if I knew anyone and I set him up with uh some uh, the, the the group that I usually purchase sweet tickets for for partners and um he's like hey I'm gonna get a couple extra so you come as well and I'm like ah 
not kind of the seat I want <laughs> the indie. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if I can go and just watch, you know, after being in it. And uh, he's like, well, let's just let's let's put you in it. And I'm like, I mean, I I appreciate it, Don, but it, it's it's you know, it, it's kind of you know, it's a tough deal to put together. It's really, um, and the budgets are kind of crazy. He's like, no, let's let's figure out a way to do it. And um, I I couldn't believe it. Um, and um, I couldn't believe the trust and, and the faith that Don put in me. I, I, I uh, I'm so grateful for his trust and, and just wanting to do this um, and do this with me. So, you know, from there we, we uh, th- that was pretty much like April, you know, 15th, you know, at that point, every, uh, every team had, had got their driver line upset and I'd heard about the, um, there being a, an, an extra Andretti entry open um made some calls and we put the deal together in like 10 days maybe less than that you know it was it was pretty wild um so we announced the deal on like may 4th and then we're in the car like may 15th after two years two year hiatus not being in a car literally a car of any kind and then just jump right in so you know that month went really really well up until race day um you know we had some issues on race day with a break um front front brake failure so on the first pit stop which ended our day and then um you know we we spent the whole year working together um to to, to come back and we got to put that deal together again unfortunately it was last minute even though our intention was to get it done nice and early you know it was just um the indy 500 has been so popular it's been in such high demand and you know, the team, there's just not a lot of entries left, you know, available these days because there's so many full-time entries. So we worked around the clock for pretty much the whole year and was able to put something together, like pretty last minute and was able to, it was a big help to the series as well, because at that point they'd only got 32 cars. We helped um, the Indy 500 keep its tradition of running 33 cars by putting a, a last minute deal together. I think that time it was it may have even been later, like May 10th, that deal came together. So, you know, uh, that first, you know, first uh, time out on the track, we were still missing parts off the car. It was still building it. <laughs> so, again, it was not ideal, um, you know. And then we're like, okay, we've got to correct this. We cannot be last minute again. Um, <laughs> and this is probably the earliest I've ever, ever had an Indy 500 deal locked in. And that was, that can, you know, we got that all put together it was the team that we really wanted to work with the most um you know we came out of may 2022 and was like okay we looked at the whole grid looked at our options and we're like this has the most potential as you've already hit you know hit on you know dry brine bolts they've ran a full-time entry before they can run additional races they've got the chassis they've got all the infrastructure um, and I think we've done, we've worked um, really hard as well on, on bringing partners into this program and, and with Don's uh, commitment as well. I, I hope there's a, there's a long-term future here for myself and for Cusick Motorsports. Absolutely. Now, Don, you indicate you get your guys' headquarters are out there at a thermal, at the thermal club, which was largely unknown to IndyCar fans until this year when we had the, uh, the off season test up there. Now everybody is quite familiar with, uh, with thermal there. And there's some talk about some folks think we ought to put a race there, but uh, you know, obviously you, you know, there's no grandstands. There's, there, there's not enough public restrooms. Um, and, and I just kind of wonder as you being one of the members there, what would be, what would be the thought of the members of having a public event there, there at the race course? Um, it, it seemed like some people might be up for, it, but others might say, Hey, no, this is our, we paid good money to have our, you know, our private club here. I mean, sure. what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think IndyCar could, or Thermal could pull that off? Or It's a great question. Um, I will tell you that there was a lot of skepticism right up to uh, the day those cars got on the track, but that was all removed almost uh, immediately when the members saw the cars and um, got to interact with the teams and the drivers. Um, it was spectacular. So um, I, I do talk a lot with um, – the owners of the thermal club and the guys that, that um, kind of run the interactions with IndyCar. And uh, I can tell you that they're definitely talking about bringing a race out here. They're already talking about modifying the track to um, 
to race, make it friendlier. <clears throat> I think it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but um, I think I, I can speak for the members and say we loved it. It was a fantastic experience. And the owners out here, uh, as well as the IndyCar folks, I think, all want to try to put something together. So we'll see. You know, there's a lot of water that's got to go into the bridge um, to make something like that happen. But uh, I'm fairly certain that if nothing else, they're going to be back for another preseason practice next year. And, uh, you know, hopefully we put a race together. I think it'd be fantastic. I think it'd be fun. It's a beautiful facility. It's just, you know, it's just a lovely part of the country as well. So or, uh, in that time of year. So that always helps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Stefan, this is this is a question I like to uh, to pose to drivers that don't necessarily drive a full time schedule, because, uh, you know, I know that you still everybody's still got to put food on the table and make the rent. Right. So what I know, like, you know, like my, my friend Pippa, man, she worked for Porsche Academy as an instructor. Sage Karam is a uh, wrestling coach uh, in, in the local public school system up there in Pennsylvania. And I swear I saw Connor Daly bagging groceries at the Kroger one time, but it might have just been a guy that looked like Connor Daly. So so I guess my question to you is, I mean, do, I, I know you do a lot yeah. of work. You do a lot of work for Don. You know, you do a lot of public appearances. You do a lot of stuff for sponsors and you do a lot of. Uh, charity work as well. I've seen you out there um, supporting like gleaners and, and some of those charities, but, but do you hold down a day job? Yeah. So I wouldn't call it a day job, um, <laughs> but I, I am pretty much uh, working around the clock, mainly focused on stuff for Indy, working on bringing partners into the, into Keystone Motorsports um, and then also delivering uh, on, on some of the partnership deliverables. Um, but you know, on, on my, I would say my day job, as you would put it, would be, um, you know, coaching, you know, that's, that's sort of been, you know, in that hiatus of not running the 500 in 2019 and 2020, um, I had to really, you know, dedicate myself to, you know, other, other work to, to put food on the table, like you just said. So, you know, coaching in the Ferrari challenge series, um, coaching in, you know, other, other road to Indy series, um, I've, I've done it all really. So, you know, um, you know, it, I'm. I would like to get to a point where I could just focus completely 100 percent on on uh, racing. Um, but right now, we're just, you know, we're only doing the one, the one race, and that uh, leaves me a lot of free time. You know, I'm hoping that we can get a bit busier, and um, you know, like I said, I can just focus on on uh, the full uh, uh, race schedule. But yeah, I mean, the, the coaching is, uh, you know, most most drivers these days that that's. Um, that's going to be uh, how they you know pay their bills. Absolutely. So let's let's go back to 2018 for a moment, okay? 2018, you found yeah. yourself in the lead of the Indy 500 with like five laps to go. Um, obviously, you're watching your fuel run down to nothing. And I, I guess I just can imagine you're like, God, I really need a yellow, but I, I don't want to wish harm on one of my competitors. I mean, what's the, what, I mean, what is that? What is that? What What is that feeling like just to be leading the biggest race in the world, um, uh, knowing you got a pit and just hoping something happens? Yeah, I mean, it it, uh, it is wild. Like you know, we'd we'd put ourselves in a good position. The car was great. I mean, the car was handling so well that year. We didn't have the qualifying speed, but the car and race trim was handling great. And we, you know, uh, we ran sort of mid-pack all day. And then we came down to, you know, uh, we, were, we were working on our fuel strategy really well. And, in fact, earlier in the race, we'd gone to a fuel strategy that would have been um, put us right at the front. And then I think it was Elio uh, crashed on like lap 154 and just totally shot that out of the water. Um, ran that that plan and that strategy um so because i remember thinking in the car i'm like wow like i'm pretty sure we only need to do one more stop and i'm pretty sure everyone ahead of me only has to do two more stops and i'm like this is looking good and then it went <laughs> went yellow and then i'm like oh, okay well that that's that gone because now everyone can make it on on one as well so you know is it as it's boiling down you know there was another yellow came out on like one one, I think it was actually that yellow. Um, it extended, and it got to like one sixty-one, and we pitted on the yellow. We set back off again, and you know, on the restart. And I was conservative all day. And at that point, 
you know, we were trying to make it to the end, but knew realistically we weren't going to make it. And then uh, the yellow came out on one one eighty eight or something like that. And um, at that position, at that point, I was second, right behind uh, Serbia. And you know, I was like, okay, well, I I know I know what to expect. I know I'm going to get past Serbia into turn one. It's just like you know, it's inevitable with the draft at that point. So on the restart, executed well, got a good jump, pulled out to pass Serbia. And coming down into turn one, uh, you know, I, I expected to get by Serbia, and I had in the last second the spotter called free wide. You're on the outside. And I'm like, free wide? And Harvey had got such a monster run <laughs> and had made it, and he'd gone inside of Serbia. So now we're free wide. And at that point, I was just like, I'm turning in. Like, if we're wrecking, we're wrecking, but I'm not. I'm not going to lift, um, you know, to try and take the lead of the Indy 500. And turned in, the other guys lifted, held, you know, held the position, came out of two, and it's just clear road. Like, all day I'd been stuck under, you know, rear wings of guys, you know, just having having to deal with dirty air, and the dirty air was so bad, you know, just having to, like, just manage that, that gap to the car in front and just, you know, trying to um, – just trying to cope with, with uh, you know, how much uh, air wash there was. Um, and at that moment, there was just clear track ahead of me. And you could tell it's like at the end of the Indy 500, like, you know, the tracks, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, bits of trash. It just, it's got that scene. You can just tell that it's at the very end of the Indy 500. Um, and you just like, holy cow, like, this is, this is like, this is my dream, dream about to come true here. Like, this is, I'm leading the Indy 500. And I have a shot at like potentially winning it if a yellow comes out. And um, you know, I knew I didn't have enough fuel to get to the end without a yellow, but you know, it was nice to get those free laps in and you know put ourselves in position that if it had gone yellow, then then we would have we would have won. So you know, it was um, it was bittersweet because you come away and you're like, man, I hope that is not the closest that I get to winning the Indy 500. You know, um, I hope that I get closer than that. Would we? What's that, sir? I said, had you have won it, we wouldn't be having this conversation together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, no. so um, Don, I wanted to ask you about this since you're, um, you know, somebody newer into the series, right? And we've seen uh, more and more guys kind of uh, more teams get, you know, throw their their hat in the ring, get in the series. I believe we're up to 27 full-time cars now. And I, and I know you're kind of thinking in the back of your head, you'd like to be a full-time team as well uh, at some point in time. But uh, I'm just kind of wondering what's your, what's your general thought about the overall health of the series? Cause there are things about it that look very good, like the number of entries, but then we still struggle at attendance at some places like, you know, Texas and, and, and some of these other places. Um, and the TV ratings still, you know, lag behind the the, the other guys. But uh, I mean, how do you feel about the future of the of the series here in the next uh, five ten years? You know, um, that, that that's a tough one for me, uh, having been a lifelong fan. Um, I, I, my dad and I used to go watch it on closed circuit TV in Los Angeles because I didn't want to wait a week for it to come on Wide World of Sports. So, um, you know, back in the Chris Economaki days, yeah. Back in the front engine roadster days, I'll really date myself. Uh, <laughs> so for me, I've always been a huge fan. Um, yeah, you know, th there's competition, that's for sure. Um, you know, and it's, it's talked about. And and I guess from, from my seat, I'm amazed that people don't really know about IndyCar racing, even people that race. There's people out here at Thermal that had no idea. And then, you know, they watch a race and they go, wow, they're super competitive. Um, a lot of people watch St. Pete and, and you know, we're pretty excited about it because it's very competitive racing and it's good racing. And, um, you know, it's also 10% of the cost of running a Formula One team. So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. from an ownership standpoint, that that's a real attraction, obviously. Um you know, I, I think that um, I think that it needs more stories like ours. 
um, people that are, you know, really came from, from nothing and got ourselves into IndyCar racing and are now this year for the first year going to be competitive. Um, I think stories like that help. Um, I think they need to be told. Um, but I think, you know, if, if a, if a common guy can walk in pretty much off the street and race at the Indy 500, that's a pretty compelling story for, for race fans. So, you know, I, I just, I, I like where they're going. I think it's going to get better. Um, I think they're doing some of the right things that are going to help lead it down that path. And um, they sure got a big cheerleader in me. I can tell you that. Oh, absolutely. So now I want, I don't want to dominate the whole interview. So I want to open it up to you other three guys there, Richard, Louise, uh, Lee. Uh, any of you yeah. guys got a question for either Don or Stefan? I have a quick question for Stefan. So yeah, go for it. as a as a as an engineer working on these cars, you know, on, on any everything, you know, every, every series you can imagine, we look at you know data in the minutiae detail. So we'll look at like gear shift analysis. I mean, a gear shift may take a tenth of a second at most, and we will spend an hour agonizing over every little sort of minute detail of a gear shift. And and you know, talking to a driver you broke up there for me. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, so we're looking at like this data in really, really sort of thousandths of a second piece of information. And, you know, you mentioned that like when you got in the lead of the Indy 500, is there this sort of sense of like serenity and slowness or is it still this sort of like, you know, the, the image of a duck on a pond, you know, on top it looks great, but underneath its legs are going all over the place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Great question. Um, it, it was a moment of like serenity because, you know, as I was saying, you know, you're when you're in the dirty air all weekend, all, all race, you know, all race long, when you get five, you know, five cars deep, I mean, you just create this, those cars ahead of you just create this huge bubble and you're trying to skate through with, you know, 200, 300 pounds, maybe even less than that, uh, less downforce. You know, so of course it starts doing, you know, things that you don't like it to do. Uh, it gets pretty evil. So, you know, it creates this bubble and you just can't get, um, you know, any closer to that car ahead without just losing, losing the grip. So, you know, you get into the lead and it was the best the car felt all day because it was just, there was no one on the track ahead of me. There was no dirty air and the car was just stable. We were pulling ahead, pulling away because all day I felt like we had a fast race car. We were just stuck in in a bad track position, um, and you know that 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 is kind of ever since they brought out the aero kits and then they added the aero screen, it, it's really made it um, very difficult to race. Like you you've created this um, you know uh, uh, very you know the car's very heavy now and uh, very grip limited, and <laughs> we don't have as much downforce as we did in say you know, 2015, 2016, and 2017, where you saw crazy amount of passes because those cars just had more downforce with those uh, their rear bumper pods and uh, the air kits, uh, you know, the, the old air kits, I should say, the manufacturer air kits. So, yeah, I know that that moment of taking the lead, it was it was best the best moment uh, or the best the car felt all day. It just was, um, it was fast. And we were, you know, uh, we had full down the full downforce level. There was no dirty air, so it was nice. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's interesting. You mentioned the downforce. Everybody thinks, you know, because NASCAR is doing this moment on the short track, running these low downforce packages. Oh, low downforce the cars are going to slide, and you know, it's going to be really, really close racing. But it, it doesn't always work that way because the drivers are on edge. They're like they don't have that sense of commitment. They don't think, well, if I make a move here, I know my car is going to stick. They're like, uh, I'm going to make a move, but I don't know if I'm going to come out the other side of this corner right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just don't have the grip. So, you know, and then when you're when you're lacking downforce, uh, you don't suck up as well because you're lacking drag. So down the straights, you're not getting as big a run. And then uh, in the corners, you have to, you know, because you're so limited on downforce, the, the, the dirty air plays a bigger role or bigger effect. So... I think on on road courses, um, you know, I think less downforce is great. But you know, uh, and I, at, at Indy, honestly, like I'm not complaining because it makes it hard. I mean, yeah. you know, racing the 500 now is is I think, in my opinion, way harder than it was 
even three or four years ago um, because of that very reason. So I'm not complaining. It's just this is the nuances that it's now uh, now involved with racing the 500. It's, it's a little bit different. It's not like it was in 2017 uh, when you saw just like record number of passes. Um, so I quite like it. I mean, it, it you know, it, it's a challenge. It's really hard to get right. It's takes a lot more skill in the car. It stops my grandma from being able to, to do the same thing as me, if that makes sense. So that, that's always good. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and, and you know, it's it still, you see these people say, oh, you know, these cars are easy to drive. Or the guy that's running, you know, 20th in a Formula 1 race off, 30th yeah. in a NASCAR race, and like, oh, they're terrible drivers. <laughs> None of them are terrible drivers. <laughs> you know, it annoys me so much when I no. hear people say these. They're still, you know, they're still in the top half a percent of drivers in the world. They're just maybe not as good. And no, not everybody can be as good as a Lewis Hamilton or a Will Power or, you know, one of these guys. It's, you know, it, 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 it gets yeah, me going. And it's, <laughs> and it's, the, it's the circumstances as well that you're dealt with, you know, where you put yeah. Mick Schumacher in a Mercedes two years ago and he wins the championship, you know, who knows, you know, but everyone's yeah. written him off now. I'm not saying he's, he, uh, he should be written off. Cause I think he's a very talented driver, but he is, and, oh. you know, and um, you know, it's very, it's very easy to say from the couch and, you know, um, I'm guilty of it myself sometimes when I'm watching, uh, you know, college basketball and I'm like, why didn't he make that shot? You know, like, yeah. Oh, I could have made that shot, you know, <laughs> but it, so we're all guilty of it to a, a certain degree, um, you know, but People don't know any better. I don't know any better when it comes to basketball. So there you go. Fickle so, world, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Louise or Lee, you have anything? Yeah, I have one. It's, I think it boils down to, of course, today is confirmed that Ryan Hunter Ray will be joining you guys in, in the organization. After being partnered with Andretti and now this year with Dry and Ryan Bull, how important it is it to have just one driver to concentrate when it comes to research? And also building the team because they have Ryan Reinbold has had the speed with like Sage and also Santino over the years. What's going to be instrumental for this season to step up to that next level to compete with the Ganassis and McLarens? Yeah, I think you know they were really fast last year in in the, the last couple of years. They've been really fast in the race trim, but they lacked in qualifying, and that's something that they really focused on for twenty twenty two. And you saw it, it really paid dividends. They qualified really well. Um, and then it meant they were starting so much further up the field and they have now, you know, equally fast race cars. Uh, they ran really strong. Um, so I think, you know, I, um, I would like, I'd like to say that, you know, with myself and Ryan, we are so similar build, you know, so similar weight distribution in the car, which is helpful. And just from my experience working with Ryan before in two years uh, at Andretti, I felt like we were both wanting the same things from the car. You know, we both, um, we, I, we made changes on our car that he adopted on his car and vice versa. So for me, I, I feel like we're, we're wanting the similar things from the car. And I think that's going to be a benefit, a positive. You got two guys, you know, working in the same direction, uh, pulling in the same direction um, you know, we're both hopefully not going in different directions. Um, so as an engineer, Rich, I'm sure you can appreciate that, that if everyone's pulling in the same direction, it's, it's just way more productive, way more efficient. So, yeah, I yeah. think, um, you know, at the same time, just having his experience, obviously he's an Indy 500 winner and, you know, I, like I said, working with him in the past, I, I've, I know when I drove at Andretti, the car felt, the race car felt great. Um, it felt amazing. And so we know what a good car has felt like before. Um, and I think we can hopefully bring some of that experience and, and uh, you know, um, hopefully it's just fine, detailed um, improvements. We're not, hopefully we're not uh, throwing the kitchen sink at it. All right. Speaking Lee. of kitchen sink, I'll, I'll ask, uh, sorry, I'll ask. I'd no, like go, to go ask right ahead, Lee. A quick one. So this year you've got uh, you've got a lot more lead time going into this. It's not just a you know a couple of days or a month in before time. Um, what are you doing with this extra time that you have to to time manage yourself? Are you using Sims to get ready for this stuff? Or you are you, you know what are you doing to prep yourself? Because it's not a go 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 situation. It's it's a little bit more relaxed. 
So are you focusing more on on the on the sim stuff? Um, you know, sitting down with the engineers to really fine tune that car. Uh, what are, what are some of your prep work getting into this? Um, so, you know, mostly physical fitness. Um, you know, I'm, I, I've been physically fit enough to drive the car the last two times, but yep. you know, weight, uh, plays a bit, a big role in it too. I mean, you know, they, in indie car, they only weigh the car up to 185 pounds. So in terms of, um, let me explain that. So like if the driver weighs 120, they'll add 65 pounds to the car, but they're not weighing the car up to let's say the heaviest driver at 200 pounds so i'm normally 200 pounds like i'm six foot almost six foot four you know just normally that's that's my weight so i've got a um it's been nice to be able to have this extra lead time and just focus on you know leaning off as much as possible and getting down to that 185 um which um i'm almost there so that's good um so um you know it's that in in previous years i mean it, it's really difficult. It takes a long time. I mean, it, it's taken me like three months to lose those, those, uh, the extra weight and get down to that level. Cause I just, I don't want to give up any kind of level advantage, even though it's, it's a small minute uh, detail, but it's nice to be able to focus on that. And at the same time, you know, we're, you know, back in December, we did the seat fitting and got everything uh, from that standpoint squared away that's something that we were doing on may 11th may 12th uh the last two years so it's nice to know that hey if we don't get this quite right we've got five months to still get this you know perfect this um whereas before it was like i hope it's right because that's what you got (laughs) so it's just from a from a level of preparedness it's nice to not be in a rush and at the same time just being able to, you know, build, start building that relationship with the engineer, um, making sure that we're clicking, um, we're, you know, speaking the same language and at the same time, um, you know, reviewing video, I'm getting on boards from previous years um, with the teams that I've driven for and, and just, uh, you know, reviewing anything, seeing what I can learn, seeing what other drivers have done and, you know, uh, trying to uh, take, take uh, notes from that and, and build. So, uh, you know, we can be prepared for any kind of situation that comes up in May. Uh, and I, I will be doing sim work. And, um, you know, there's uh, there's also uh, pit stop practice that we, we can do as well with uh, the way that Dry and Reinbold has, uh, has a pit stop um, car that they de- dedicated to working on the pit stop from both, more, more, more for the crew, but it's still nice to go through the motions. But Don will tell you as well, you know, his extra time that he's had it's uh it's not been a and a been a, a mad fresh to get ready well, yes yeah go ahead john a dinner tonight <laughs> I, I have one more quick question uh for you yeah. probably more towards was don actually so you know obviously having lived over in the yeah. now for a number of years you know and, and started to watch indycar a lot more it, it's a fantastic series it you know, it's good racing, unpredictable racing. You know, the cars are, are you know getting more and more advanced and you know, with the hybrid technology coming along, they're they're continuing up that ladder. And, you know, with the fantastic tracks you have in the US, you know, and unfortunately IndyCar half of them doesn't go to. Um, you know, what the potential there is huge for IndyCar to be, you know, in the same breath in my mind as, you know, the second rung of motorsport globally behind formula one in terms of its viewership and spectators i mean back in the uk sky sports have started to cover it and gave some really good exposure to it but it's still not quite that what do you think it needs to get to that next level and you know i know nascar pays a lot of my bills right now but for for my money an indycar is a better series to watch from a spectator standpoint than cup racing yeah i you know it interesting point they do run some uh, interesting venues in indycar that probably aren't the biggest um spectator markets um you know i think that could be part of it um and you know it, it's it's like anything you're competing for a big market um a lot of my friends now know formula one and follow formula one because of the uh, Drive to Survive series. Um, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of that happen in a lot of other sports too. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I, I guess I hope to be in a position in the not too distant future to be involved in these discussions and maybe help to influence and shape some of it. Um, because I do think it's a great series. And I do agree with you that it, it's an open wheel. It's certainly the second best series that there is. Um, yet it is all domestic. It's not international anymore. And, yeah. uh, and so they do need to get some of that international exposure. I mean, I remember uh, back in, God, when would it have been? Frank, you probably know when it was. It was Bourdais' first ever win. It was at Brands Hatch. So about 2002, three-ish? 2003. Yeah, so good yeah. being there. Damon Hill was handing out the prizes. Paul Tracy, I think, blew up mid-race. But it was like £50 ticket, all, or £30 ticket all day. There's a load of speeder series going on there. Um, I even won the fastest lap on the Scale Electrics uh, competition there, so that's my claim today on that day. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it's great. It, it was so good, so so good. Yeah. And then you like you go to the Formula One stuff, and you're paying five, ten mm. times the ticket price, and you get to see you know a couple of races a day, and then you got three hours to get out of the parking lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but the Brands Hatch stuff and the, the international stuff on IndyCup is fantastic. Yeah. So, so good. There's yeah. a lot of talk about, you know, Formula One coming in here and in, invading the U.S. and and maybe cutting into some of the IndyCar um, fan base and revenue and things of that nature. I'm not sure I think that's true. I mean, for me, I think that might almost help just because of what you yeah. said. It's exposing yeah. the open-wheel racing and and yeah, IndyCar is certainly a better value than Formula One from a yeah. standpoint, and um, you know, and even a race car owner standpoint, of course. Yeah, that's Michael. That question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it, you know, it, it, it's it, it's so interesting. You know, a lot of you mentioned these new tracks that Formula One's coming to. You know, a lot of them, the great venues, they look fantastic on TV, which is obviously that their main purpose, but. You know, some of them are almost like soulless in a way. They're just like soulless. It's made it's a great for TV way to describe it, yeah. Almost. And I, but, you know, and Stephen, you'll have been to some of these old, like you know, some of the old classic like Croft mm -hmm. and Thruxton, and you know, they're great places. They smell amazing, and you go to these new venues, and they're just <laughs> meh. Yeah, the the stadium. Yeah, venue, no, I mean, they just ran. I saw I saw some of the other days talking about British Grand Prix being in in at London. Oh yeah, streets, and I'm like, no, no, just no. stop. Like it, it yeah. looked like it was a a street course made you know made up around a car park, and I'm just like, yeah, no, it doesn't need this anymore. Like we've got plenty of street circuits that you know yeah. work for the most part, but you can't get rid of the the classic uh, circuits. And to your point, like. Yeah, I'm glad that we've got Laguna on the schedule. We yep. need to get back to Watkins Glen oh, at some sure. point. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've sure, got Road yeah. America. That was off the calendar for a long time, so that's good mm -hmm. that that's there. Um, you know, some some other classics. I think we should be at Phoenix. Um, yep. So I think there's there's room on the schedule to improve, and I think that you know, uh, I think the the new series, uh, the new docu series that IndyCar's working on with CW and, and Vice is super important. That debuts on yeah. April 27th, and you know, that yeah. is going to be, um, you know, uh, something that really needs to, to work, you know, because if, if that can catch fire like Drive to Survive did, then that'll change the landscape of the series for sure in a big way. Um, and I think, you know, un you know, unfortunately, it doesn't, this doesn't, or this um, viewpoint doesn't go well with manufacturers. Um, uh, we need a third manufacturer, but yeah. I think we need to go away from the norm and I think we need loud, you know, fire breathing <laughs> dragon engines, you know, V8s yeah. or something, you know, just I, I, that doesn't jive with, you know, manufacturer <laughs> needs, you know, wanting it to be green and, high, you know, hybrid. But, you know, F1's doing that, WEC is doing that. And what got me so into racing in the first place or what got a lot of us into racing was just, the noise and, yeah. and the, the the sound coming from the engines and how, you know, yeah. it just sent, you know, goosebumps up our arm, right? So I don't yeah. know, it, 
it's it's tough. I think that would be you know the the old Indy cars from the uh, early two thousands. You know those those just sound <laughs> incredible. And I think if we could bring that noise back, I think it would be uh, yep. something that differentiates Indy car from other open wheel series in the world. You know, bring back the Offenhauser. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, Stefan, Don, yep. I really appreciate you guys coming on. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you, uh, Don is one of the most generous people in the world. So you have my Cusick racing shirt on here. Uh, Don was kind enough to do, nice. donate a bu- donate a bunch of those to, uh, to, uh, a fan group that I helped run on Facebook. So, uh, Don, I want to thank you for that. Uh, which that's kind of how I started talking to Don. Um, and uh, really, I want to wish you guys the best at Indianapolis. And I hope that you can, uh, you know, have a, have a great month of May and keep the program going. And uh, we'd love to have you back on again, maybe, you know, maybe after the 500, maybe you can come on and tell us what it's like to win Absolutely. the Indy 500. So drink that milk. <laughs> drink that milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you guys. All right. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to go Hold to back. commercial real briefly. Uh, Keith, um, you take us to commercial and uh, Don, Stevan, have a great night. Thanks again. And, Thanks, and again, Thanks for having us on, guys. The best. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Um, are we clear yet, Keith? Hey, we're back uh, again. Just want to thank our guests, Don Cusick and uh, Stefan Wilson. So, uh, you know, make sure you uh, follow their progress at Indianapolis. They ought to, you ought to see them on the, uh, the CW program when that debuts in April as well. Um, so Lee, we got the NHRA and I said that correctly. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> so but uh, we got a season underway gator national so uh yeah take us through it a little bit um i saw the action was on fox tv all day with fox one to regular fox uh yep. good good coverage so uh yeah let's uh let's let's get the rundown from the gator nationals it was a great it was a great great weekend um friday afternoon keith if you want to pop that graphic up real quick uh toyota came out with the uh junior roadster he introduced it friday during the fan portion of it uh so nhra's had the junior dragster program running for gosh 20 plus years now um so jr todd he's one of the uh funny car guys he is collaborating and working with the nhr to do the junior uh, Roadster series, which is funny cars and Toyota has come up with the, uh, with their version of it. And it's a great little introductory, uh, platform for the kit, for the kids, um, cost effective. It looks really good. Uh, you know, obviously built safety in mind for the, for the young drivers and stuff. Um, so it's a, that was a great kickoff to the weekend, uh, to see what Toyota is doing for, uh, for the, you know, the future of the driving sport, uh, in NHRA. So very nice to see them do that. And, uh, from what I've heard, it's taken off like wildfire. Um, you know, and then Saturday going into Saturday, we, we had what was, uh, we call it the call out. It's kind of, uh, uh, you know, it goes back to the roots of drag racing. When you called out, you know, a competitor driver and you, you ran up there for some bragging rights and a little bit of coin in your, in your pocket. Um, and that happened in, in top fuel, uh, Josh Hart actually ended up winning it out of the eight drivers. Um, he, he won Saturday night's, uh, call out special, which was, 
which is good because Josh is a pretty new driver. Um, he didn't really do so good on uh, Sunday. He got knocked out in qualifying uh, against Tony Schumacher. Uh, so he didn't really make it out of qual- out of out of the first round. But uh, yeah, it was a good weekend all around, results wise. Uh, in Funny Car, which are Top Fuel, which is the top series uh, of the sport. Um, it's the dragsters, as we call them. Mike Salinas from Scrappers Racing Dragsters. He beat out Steve Torrance uh, from Capco Racing Torrance Racing, uh, which was a pretty good showdown. Uh, I really, I, I thought it was a really great race, very neck and neck. I mean, it was down, it was, you know, Torrance won on miles per hour, but it's not always about how fast it is. It's it's who gets to the strike first. Um, and it was, you know, it was five thousandths of a second difference between the two cars. So that was a pretty good race to see. Um, funny car wise, Tony Stewart racing. He got in the wind circle this weekend with Matt Hagen, his funny car driver, uh, him and J.R. Todd. Uh, who I was just talking about with his involvement in the Toyota series. Uh, they went head to head in the final round and Matt Hagen ended up winning that. Uh, another close race. It was a couple ten thousands between the two of them, but the uh, Matt Hagen's Dodge uh, power brokers, Hellcat RT pulled out against, uh, you know, J.R. Todd's Toyota pro stock. Number one qualifier, Troy Coughlin uh, Jr., he went from number one qualifier all the way to winning the race uh, the weekend against uh, Mason Maga. That was a really good race. I always like the pro stocks because the racing, they're not as fast, but the racing's always just as tight. Um, these guys really fight for what they bring to the racetracks. And it was, a, I mean, it was a really good race. It was super <laughs> fast. Uh, I think they were only... Uh, Troy Coughlin only won by like a mile an hour. It was a really quick, quick race. Um, so, and then the other division that comes up, the big four is pro stock motorcycles and uh, Gage Harana. And I talked about this kind of at the beginning of the season. Gage Harana, he he uh, runs for Vance and Hines. And Vance and Hines has that new Suzuki Hayabusa that came out this year. And he brought that that brand new bike to victory lane. He qualified number one and brought it all the way to victory lane against Andy Smith, uh, which was another really great race in my, in my mind, because we got to see what that Hayabusa could do. Um, you know, it was fast. That thing was ridiculously fast. Um, I, I was blown away at how fast it was and how well it was controlled. I mean, two wheels at 200 miles an hour, you're out in the open. You, there's nothing around you. you. You're not protected from anything or anybody. So you're feeling the brunt force of everything. And control and handling is top notch in that stuff. And to see that Hayabusa run that way, I really think that, uh, you know, Vance and Hines, they may have a repeat from last year because they won it last year. But with that new Hayabusa, I think they're they're going to be, a, a you know, they're going to be contention again this year on new, on that new design. And uh, the big talk of the weekend was Tony Stewart. Uh, you know, he, he ran a top alcohol uh, dragster this weekend. He did not. Uh, he red lighted in round two, so he really didn't get uh, he just got about three or four passes down the track. But, you know, he made it to round two. So that was a, that was a good start for him. Um, he's I, I watched a couple of post-race interviews. He was he was happy with his performance and the team was pretty happy with the performance, uh, you know, for his first, you know, big race under the under the Gator National Lights. So uh, it was a good weekend. I'm glad it's off to a good start. And uh Looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season brings us. Yeah, yeah. So where are we off? To, where are we off to next? Oh, you'd have to ask me. I just had to tip my tongue. And I totally forgot. So uh, <laughs> we're, at, we're heading out. Uh, it's a West Coast swing now, just like every other motor. Phoenix sport, next. That that's it, Phoenix. Uh, so we're we're heading out to the West Coast swing. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad Richard then, knows what's going on. Yeah. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be Phoenix, and I think we're off to Sonoma uh, or Fontana next, and then you know we'll come back. Uh, we'll hit Vegas and then we'll be back down this way on the, on the mid coast and the East coast. So uh, be a good season. All right. Yeah. So now let's talk about NASCAR. We've got a few minutes left, but uh, the race this week was pretty much, it was a rerun of last week's race, right? Kind of was a rerun. <laughs> people, people want to chat. People want to chastise Harrison Burton all because he had a flat tire. People are questioning if he's cup red cup material, and all that, yes, but the big talk is that William Byron went back to back. 
right, I still right. stand that Rudy Fugel had a big role in that again. And the question will remain, can they keep this up after the spring? We saw last we saw the last couple of years they get off to a good start in the spring, but then one momentum breaker last year was Darlington with Joy Logano. They're completely MIA, so we'll see. But the biggest grandiose of the whole thing is that Hendrick Motorsports got 2007 all over again with a hefty penalty. Yeah, very, very hefty penalty. So they, they confiscated with the louvers from the cars. The Lavore, yep. Lavore, yeah. So uh, exactly which portion of the car is that, Richard? Uh, so that's the, uh, you can see on Louise's little uh, photograph there in his background. That's uh, the two vents which sit, there you go, either side of the hood. Uh, they're an exit or a cooling uh, duct for the engine, basically. And and what teams used to do in the past was apply tape to the front of the grill to control the engine temperatures. But with this, right, uh, right, yeah. with, with with these now, you, you don't have to do that. Um, and these are a, um, you know, a control part by NASCAR. Uh, and the team's not allowed to modify it. Now, Hendrick's argument is that um, there's been some issues with the consistency of the manufacturing. And the parts that they received didn't meet the drawings that NASCAR provided to the manufacturer. So they modified them to meet the drawing specification. Um I don't think that's quite what happened, but yeah. so uh, didn't, that's didn't, uh, defense didn't, anyway. Didn't Gibbs have a similar thing with uh, that same area of the car with uh, with tape? That, that was, was a physical. Uh, that was tape, tape actually on the, the the tape for Gibbs last year was on the uh, uh, in front of the uh, right side wheel well. Okay, um, all right. So so either yeah, way, similar. either way, they they levied some pretty serious penalties uh, oh, on yeah. these guys, yeah. Uh, yeah. both both financially and uh, taking some points away. Yeah, not just yeah. Hendrick, but also Justin Haley's 31 team got penalized. And right, yeah. yeah, and right now, Justin Haley's had negative points. Alex Bowman went from the regular season points lead down to outside the top 20, which promotes Kevin Harvick as your regular season points leader after four rounds. Byron I mean, remains ineffective, to be honest, at this point. Because he's got those in the grand wins. scheme of things, you'd, you'd expect all of those Hendrick guys to win races throughout the season. Oh, yeah, yeah, the playoff point deduction is 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 minimal. Yeah, the financial aspect, but again, this is Hendrick Motorsports. You know, yeah, he's got he's got a couple they, dollars in the bank. Yeah, they've probably got a danger money pot kicking around that they play these things off every year, and it's probably taken most of that up. So they'll probably be a pretty good behavior for the rest of the year. But come the race at Phoenix, they put in, you know, NASCAR supplied them with new 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 louvers, and they ran with. Spec parts that NASCAR provided, and they didn't do too badly, did they? No, not at no. all. <laughs> they, they pretty much maxed so, out on points. You kind of you wouldn't you wouldn't being cynical, which, as most of you know, I have is a great attribute of mine. That maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> the maybe this is maybe this was the thing that NASCAR was meant to find, and uh, you know some of the other things that they've got squirreled away. Uh, were uh, this distracted NASCAR from finding out what was really going on in the hood? Because you know teams have done that in the past. They deliberately make something so obvious that they can't find, or they'll, they'll have to find it, and they concentrate all the time on fixing that issue. That the other issues that are really making the big difference to the car's performance are are hidden away, and and uh, the governing body doesn't look at it. But um, I mean, you, you know, the, the the performance was pretty telling, and there's very few things that you can trick up on these cars these days that have such an effect that those Hendrick cars dominated those last two races anyway. So I think there's, um, you know, they're obviously doing a very, very good job and doing something right right now. And it's for the rest of us to, to catch up with them and the rest of the teams out there to catch up with them. But um, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, you know, it, it's, it, it's a big no, no. And, you know, NASCAR are drawing a line in the sand that they did last year with, with similar infractions. And, uh, you know, you do not modify um, supplier parts. So, yeah, they're they're being consistent at least. You can't you can't criticize them for that. Right. So then I guess the other story coming out is Denny Hamlin intentionally putting <laughs> Chastain in the wall and then pretty much what bragging about bragging about it on his <laughs> yeah. podcast. Oh so, yeah, it was so uh, he got a he got a fine. So, but uh, I I don't know why these guys can't just play nice. Uh, but it always seemed like somehow when you have these kind of somebody mad at somebody, it seemed like. Ross Chastain is involved in there more often than not. I, I guess I don't know if he just rubs everyone the wrong way. Um, and that's not a 
a pun about him rubbing the wall of Martinsville, but uh, <laughs> rowdy, <laughs> rowdy, <laughs> rowdy, <laughs> terrible, terrible. I would say save that uh, one liner podcast, but I wouldn't even make it on there. Oh my gosh! All right, well, where are we off to next, Louise? We're off to Atlanta, where there, where if you're going to make a pit stop, you must do it at the end of the back stretch, not going into turn four. Yeah, I so saw that. You, yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, if you have a bad pit stop, you're hosed. Unscheduled pit stop, you're hosed. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Some of the yeah, there was a little. What was going on at Phoenix where the uh, they didn't give drivers instructions how to get out onto the track from the garage, and everybody got lost. Yeah, that was during practice. Yeah, yeah, right, right at the start of the weekend. Yeah, so it was just kind of funny that. So now we're gonna we're gonna move the pit lane entrance in Atlanta and see what you know, kind of see what happens there. But uh, Atlanta's been a pretty entertaining race the last couple of years since they reconfigured the, the track. There, I mean, I think so anyway, because uh, for a while it was just you know pretty much standard. Uh, you yeah. know, so we don't want to call one though. Yeah, it'd be a call one. Yeah, I mean, it's um. Yeah, this particular, yeah, the March Atlanta race has been snowed out before. Um, Highs of 47. So, uh, yeah. Oh, fun. Washington weather. Washington <laughs> yeah, weather. Yeah, pretty so. much. It's not raining, so it's not real Washington weather. All right. But yeah, it's still you, cold. <laughs> All right. So, Lee, Louise, you guys want to pick a winner for uh, for Atlanta? Go ahead, Louise. I'll let you go first. I'll go with Ross Chastain in this one. Unless Danny Hamlin gets to him first. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm going with. I'm going with Chastain's teammate and Daniel Suarez. I think he's gonna have a good weekend. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with uh, Kyle Larson because uh, I think the uh, Hendricks cars are still just that good. Um, now, Richard, are we? Uh, we have Formula One this weekend coming up. Yeah, we're in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, um, and so yeah, street circuit, high speed street circuit. Um, see if we can, you know, at least make sure Schumacher won't write a car off this year. Um, and the guns won't have anything to complain about. But, um, yeah, no, it'll be, uh, you know, second race C. You know, you, you can't really look past Red Bull after their dominant performance in, in Bahrain. You know, is it Ferrari's opportunity to at least look like they know what they're doing? But Charles Leclerc is already on a 10-place grid penalty for uh, electronics changes after failing both units in Bahrain. And they're only allowed to run two units per season. So, um, you know, he's taken 10 grace, 10 place grid penalty now. And if he has another failure, that's going to be another 10 places later in the season. Or So, you know, these grid penalties are racking up early in the season for Ferrari. So there must be a concern there. And can, can Aston Martin and, and um, you know, Fernando Alonso keep up their impressive start to the season? And, you know, can Mercedes yeah. do? Mercedes are promising visual changes to the car over the coming races. So maybe uh, moving away from the zero side pod uh, configuration that we've been talking about for the last uh, mm-hmm. Last year or so, uh, personally, I don't believe it's that, but maybe that does have an impact on other areas of the car that they can develop. So uh, it's going to well, be interesting to yeah, see what happens L- out there. Lewis was vocally unhappy with. Uh, he said they didn't listen to him when he told them what yeah, changed. So I mean, I mean that's... There's, there's as much frustration as there is, there is truth in that. Um, exactly, you know, exactly. They've yeah. been listening to him pretty damn well for the last eleven years. So I'd be surprised if they suddenly forgot what his phone number is. Yeah, I mean he's he's only won what a hundred races, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. The um, you know. yeah, other thing somebody had speculated. I I read this today and I thought it was actually kind of funny. They said you know if Max wins every race, he'll sew up the championship by the time they get to Zanfort. And they said at that point they could put um, Ricardo in the car, and then Red Bull could finish first, second, and third in the championship. I'm like I said I said. <laughs> Wow, you're giving. I mean, Red Bull's good this year, but I mean, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's what that's what Ron Downs would have loved with hacking and Andretti and Senna '93. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, I tell you. But, but this uh, is this is closest. I think this is the closest field to. Uh, I remember it, Frank. I'm sure you can. The '88 season. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you know with Senna and Prost winning almost uh, every race apart from that, uh, you know, Monza race. Yeah, the one Ferrari yeah, so cheated to win. I think this oh, come is on, closer. Man. Now, you've obviously seen you know, years in the past where um, you know, teams have been dominant early on the box, but there's something about this Red Bull and the team and Max and Checo. They're just, you know, they seem something pretty 
ominous about this, really. That we yeah, haven't seen in a long, long, and we're long only one, time. and we're only one race in, and we're having these conversations. It's kind of really got to be you know demoralizing I mean? to the other. Yeah, that... yeah, I know. Got to be demoralized to the other yeah. eighteen guys there. So, all right. So, who do y'all want to pick? Looked like they were breaking the sweat. Who do you guys want to pick for second place, then? Because we are just about <laughs> out of time. Since everyone picks Max to win, all right. So, yeah. who, who, who do you like for second place, Richard? So it's Carlos Sainz. All right, and Louise. I'm gonna go with Paris. Just let's see if they could actually go one to all season, which I doubt, but we'll keep it, it could, optimistic. It could happen, yeah. And Lee, who you like? Uh, you're, you're taking Nico Hulkenberg every race, right? No, Kevin Magnuson. Kevin Magnuson. Oh, that's right. That's right. No. Kevin Magnuson. So <laughs> I know Richard's gonna love that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with Kevin again this weekend. <laughs> okay, and that'll that'll leave me, um, Alonzo. We'll say Alonzo uh, gets one more one more step up from last week. So, but we are out of time. We're in a, we're in overtime here. So, green white checker time. I want to thank you, Keith, for producing us. I want to thank you, Lee and Richard and Louise, for uh, being here with me every week. I want to thank Forza Motorsport, Facebook Live, YouTube Podcast, Google Podcast, and uh, Apple. Apple Podcasts, and uh, thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, Sinister One Productions. Most of all, I want to thank you folks that tuned in, and I certainly want to thank our two guests tonight, Stephen Wilson and Don Cusick. Uh, it was really wonderful to have them on. And next week, we'll have uh, Stingray Rob, IndyCar driver, Rookie of the Year candidate. Um, he'll be on here. Uh, he tells the origin of his name because his Stingray is his real name. So, and that's uh, that's absolute fact. But until then, tune in next week and find out. Thanks for watching Drafting the Circuits. Make sure to follow Drafting the Circuits on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, and YouTube. Drafting the Circuits is a Coach Sinister One production.